Welcome to the Zoe household. Our desire is to bring you to the consciousness of the God life that has been made available to everyone who believes the Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen to this powerful message by Pastor Ola Kiyosi, the resident pastor of the Zoe household Lagos. God bless you. So a quick recap. So all through this month, you know, I remember the very first series, the first sermon I, I did on this. I expatiated on the fact that um, the God bringing out, Ibuka, are you fine? You're not smiling as you normally smile. Is everything fine? Fake. Welcome back, Nancy. Yay! Not, not that Nancy. You have it. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I'm consistent. Why is welcoming But yeah, Nancy, not seen Nancy in like months. So she went home apparently holidays and she's back. Yes, nice months. In church. But Matt Sina. She's she one of those that did the background vocals for my song that's coming out. Anyways, so I taught you guys that um, that God bringing out the children of Israelites from Egypt was was is actually to prefigure. God bringing a man that is dead in sin out of darkness into his marvelous light. Or, I'll paraphrase it this way, is to symbolize just the same way God brought them out of Egypt into the promised land. It symbolizes how God brings a man from sin into Christ. So many a times you need to understand that the Old Testament is very symbolic. It, it gives you a mental picture of the wisdom and the ideas and the plans of God. You can, you can literally perceive the mind of God just by looking through, through the scriptures. Abba says, all that are written time, all that are written at four time, we're written for our learning, that we through patience and we through patience may have hope. You know, you know is it comfort and hope in the scriptures? That's Romans 15, verses 4. All right. So the ideology is that the more you look, you get to see things to hold on to, ideologies of God, wisdom of God, understanding of God, characters of God, the thought pattern of God. So if, if, if all that happened in the Old Testament, God bringing them out of Egypt, it's, it's symbolic to how God brought a man out of sin into life, then it just makes perfect sense. Because listen, when God raised them out or brought them out of Egypt, he didn't bring them out of Egypt because of their works. He brought them out of Egypt because of his word. Are you with me? He had promised Abraham. You know, he had told Abraham that there will be a time that he should have visualized to be held captive in a foreign land. But he gave a specific time. He said they would only be there for about a number of 400 years. So when the appointed time came, you know, God eventually brought them out. Not because they kept the status or the commandments of God. Apparently, as at that time, there was nothing called the status and the commandments of God. There was no law. There was no Ten Commandments. Are you with me? There was no law. There was no Ten Commandments. However, their ways displeased the Lord greatly. What do I mean by that? So, this way... Um, oh, I forgot to celebrate my pastor. Can I celebrate Pastor Jodak Olawa? Yeah. I'd have loved to celebrate somebody else, but he will fight with me if I celebrate him. You say, don't, don't celebrate me, but the person is shy here. Yeah. 
We're celebrating. <laughs> All right. So, it's good to fight. Is there any fight? Let me just, let's say every pastor to me. All <laughs> of, of fight, not fight. We'll settle the fight. <laughs> All right. So, God didn't give them the Ten Commandments while, before they went to Egypt. God was working with them based on relationship. And in relationship, they displeased God greatly. So they were in a foreign land and they seized and they stopped serving God and they started serving idols. And in spite of them serving idols, God didn't say, you know, God didn't get angry and say, for that reason, I would leave you, I abandon you, and therefore I will not save you. Instead, salvation still came true for them in, the, in spite of the fact they were very undeserving of salvation. So get this. In salvation, you would never attain it by works. You would never attain it by being deserving of it. Salvation would always be undeserving. It says we are saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. And the generic meaning of grace there is unmerited favor. Simple, unmerited. It means it's a favor you get because you didn't merit it. So if you didn't merit it, it's yours. If you, if you merited it, then it's not yours. Are you with me? If you merited the favor, it's not yours. But if you didn't merit the favor, then it's yours. That's, that's, that, that's the SI unit. That's the way you can really measure what, what you actually get to deserve. So salvation is not God's based on you deserving of it. The law, the Ten Commandments can never save you. It didn't save the children of Israelites. So what position does the Ten Commandments hold? The Ten Commandments came into position after God had saved them out of Egypt. So the Ten Commandments is not to, make, is not to bring about salvation. The Ten Commandments is God's status and mind after you have been saved. It's about knowing, like I told the first one, it's about coming to a new country, knowing the status, their laws, you know, what is acceptable in the kingdom, what is not acceptable in the kingdom. It is just, it, is, it, is, it gives you an ideology of what is pleasing to the person that saved you. Are you with me? That's what it does. It gives you a structure of what is pleasing and what is not pleasing. So, the Ten Commandments cannot save. The Ten Commandments is given right after salvation and not before. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Even when God was bringing them out of Egypt, you know, they, they experienced what they called the baptism. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 and verse 2. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Then verse 2 says, And were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They were baptized. It was to prefigure the original baptism. So, let me ask you a question. When you're baptized, is it before, when, when are you baptized, is it before or after salvation? But you're wrong. It's the baptism that saves. Colossians chapter 2, verses 12. We're buried with him in, in baptism. We're buried with him in what? In baptism, the day you accepted Christ into your life, you accepted the, the baptism of Christ. You were buried, buried with him by faith, and you were raised by the operation of the faith of God. 
So baptism is an immersion into the death of Jesus and an immersion into his resurrection. That if he died, you died. If he resurrected, you resurrected. And in baptism, it means there's what they call union, oneness. Are you with me? So if there's baptism, it means you have become one with God and that means you're saved. So their salvation happened where? It, it, a prefigure of their salvation happened where? In their baptism into Moses. We are not baptized into Moses, but we're baptized into who? Into God. So who are we one with? Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. So I taught you last week, I said First Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 20, I said, we've been bought with a price. Therefore, we glorify God in our body and in our spirit. He said, which are God's? So that means God bought us with a price. We belong to him. We are not of ourselves. We, we, we belong to an entity. We belong to the God of the heavens and the earth. Do you know, one of the, one of the chillest things to me is like, it's just having to understand that I'm owned by God. Somebody owns me. It's sweet. And I'm not afraid of it. Because he's not, not a bad master. He's the best master. You see, the best master there is. It's better to be a slave in his kingdom. I'm serious. Similar to what the prodigal son said. He was eating with the swines. And he said, it is going to be far better. He said, the servants of my father's house are treated far better than, than me that is here in this land. Do you hear what I'm saying? But I'm here to tell you. Once you're in God, once you're in God, there's no hierarchy in the benevolence of God to you. Oh, I should raise the mic. I'm not used to it. Amen. 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 All right. So, like I was saying earlier, it's it so much pays to be in God than to be in the world. We've been bought with a price. And what does that imply? It implies that we've been set free from the law of sin and death. Romans chapter 8, verses 2. Bible says the law of the spirit and life in Christ has set us free from the law of what? Of sin and death. So, in God purchasing us is an evidence that I, do no, long, I no longer belong to sin and death. Now, I belong to who? To spirit and life. I belong to God. We looked at Romans chapter 6, verses 22. It says, But now be made free from sin and become servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness and the, and the end, everlasting life. So he's saying here that, But now you have been made free from sin, not that you will be made. It's a proclamation. God has made you free from sin, not He will. Not God will. A man in Christ is what? Is free from sin. Can we, can we echo it as a house? The man in Christ is what? Is free from sin. Hallelujah. So what God did is that he set us free from sin and he imbibed in us a new nature. So that's why when we read in 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 3. Alright. Verses 4. He says, now we are partakers of the divine nature of God. We are partakers of the divine nature of God. So, what God did was to do a substitution method. Before, inherent in a man was an, was an enormous desire to walk in sin and in error. But what God did to a man in Christ was to do about, bring about a substitution. Now, you realize that when you're in the world, you had the desire for lostly ambition. But once you come into Christ, you've, the, even though the desire is there, you've, lose, you've lost the tastes 
you've lost the pleasure or you, you cease to find pleasure in sin. So before you could have boasted, oh, I did this thing, I did that thing. But now when you're in Christ, you, the things you used to boast about, you can't boast about it anymore. Haven't you noticed? That's what, that's what, a, that's what the gospel does for the man in Christ. Whatsoever was worth boasting about is no longer worth boasting about. What, and I said last week, I said whatsoever you cannot openly discuss in church or to your friend in Christ is wrong. So the test has been removed. Careful. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll talk excessively on that. The test has been removed, but there's still a possibility. There's still a possibility. So, for instance, this, this is a good analogy. Why is a man in Christ, why does he still have, why does he still walk into error? So remember I said that when a man is in Christ, the taste of sin is removed. But that doesn't mean you will never hear the beats of sin. If you go to a club, even though you're in your mind, your mind is sane and you're hearing the beats. Can you deny not hearing the beats? But what can you deny? You can deny moving to the beats. That's what happens. So a man in Christ is still in a world of sin. But a man in Christ will choose not to yield his members to the sin. I remember going for a party one time and I don't, when I go to parties, I don't dance. Especially, you know, you know this, um, it was a wedding, you know. So you, when I say I don't dance, means you're not playing those kind of songs. You know, and, you know, my sister and everybody were dancing. And they were like, dance, now what is doing? I said, mm-mm. They said, it's not a real bad song. I said, mm-mm. It's not my, don't get me wrong. Even while I was on the seat, there were times I was like shaking my head like, mm-mm. you know, I had to bring myself to the position of, mm-mm. no, you, you will not dance. You will not dance in the name of Jesus. See, there are songs that you, so apparently, even yesterday, uh, Pastor and I <laughs> were on Instagram and we heard a song. <laughs> I'm not joking. So on Instagram, all right, so they used, it was a reel and they, 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 there was this song, um, video and they used a reel. I won't say the secular person, the secular artist and the name of the song was Only Ghost. <laughs> I'm not joking. The name of the song was Holy Ghost. And I would lie to you. If it, if it was sung by a gospel artist and it was sung in a church, it would pass for a gospel song. I can't remember, but the lyrics was more about um, um, maybe Holy Ghosts, come, come, come and give me confidence, something like that, like boldness. That's like praying that Holy Ghost gives you boldness. I'm, I'm not joking. If, if these people sang that song, Spirit of Prophecy, it will go viral. We will sing it in church today. I'm not joking. And guess what happened? So we watched it. We, we first insulted the fact that, a, you know, a secular artist is draping the Holy Ghost and singing a song in a club or something like that, you know. Not after five minutes, I was in the sitting room. <laughs> I was singing the song. He said, Hola, we see that. As I say, give yourself brain. Give yourself brain, Ola. You, 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 cannot, you cannot do this. Listen, I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm in Christ, but listen. The, the, 
It doesn't mean that sin, it doesn't mean that sin is no longer enticing. It's still as enticing as it were before you were saved. Let me not let me not jump my notes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So when you come into Christ, in salvation, there are two kinds of grace a man receives. A man receives a salvity grace. S-A-L-V-I-F-I-C. Salvity grace. What, what is a salvity grace? Salvity grace is the grace that saves a man. So this kind of grace, it does not require your effort. It's what we call the unmerited favor. It saves a man. With no imputes. Saved by grace, not of our works, lest we should boast. It's a salvity grace. But listen, for a man in Christ, there goes behind or beyond the salvity grace. Another grace is needed. A grace unto good works. There's a grace unto good works. And it's also provided in salvation. And I'll show you. Look at Paul boasted about that kind of grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. Very quickly. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 and 10. Paul boasted about this kind of grace. It's the kind of grace that you still have to... So remember, one is unmerited favor. You have no effort to play, right? But look at what Paul then said here. It could be confusing. He said, for I am the least of the apostles. He says that I'm not me to be called what? An apostle. So that's the kind of grace to say, you know what? I'm not fit to be called an apostle. You know, I persecuted the church. I'm not fit to be called an apostle. I persecuted, I killed. I was not deserving. But look at what it says in verse 10. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. That is salvation. When it comes to being rogue, I was rogue. When When it was about insulting parents, I was insulting. When it was about stealing, I was there. I should not have been saved, but grace found me. So when you hear some people's salvation story, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like God could... Listen, you, you need to hear some gruesome salvation story. You know, I had a testimony one time. I do not approve of what the pastor did. So apparently, what happened was that a witch came to repent to the man. An elderly witch. And, you know, told, was telling the pastor that, you know, so I've killed, I killed all my kids, I did all of this, I did all of that, I did all of that. And the man said, ah! said, I cannot pray for you. I'm not joking, a real life story. So the man didn't lead her to Christ because he felt her sin was so great and gruesome. But guess what? Even though that lady was 90 years old and she had committed all those atrocities, the day she said, yes, Lord, I receive into my life. Have mercy upon me. The salvity grace of God, it covers a multitude of sin and offenses. Listen, on that cross, what Jesus Christ did was to take upon himself the sin of the whole world. Not one man. The sin of the whole world. So it means, haven't you heard? He said, God is rich in mercy. It means the mercy of God is so rich that there's no sin in the world that can bankrupt the mercy of God. That's what it means. That's what it means. So by the mercy of God, there's no sin that God could not wash away. That's why I thought, I thought, that was last month. My brother is in the house, GP. So, so don't get distracted. I thought, in, I, thought, I thought last month, oh Jesus, that skipped my heart. The, unfor, the unforgivable sin, do you remember? I talked about it, right? And how that, you know, the unforgivable sin is about blasphemy. And that in, in the literal sense, we have all blasphemed. 
Because in that context, he's talking about blaspheming against anybody that does anything in the name of the Lord. If you ever adapted a miracle, and that miracle was done by, truly by the Spirit of God, you blasphemed. Jesus Christ just casted, casted out the devil. And he said, you, you cast out the Spirit by Belshazzar, the, 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 the God of devils, the, spirit, the, the king of, de- of, of demons. And then it was said, you know, he that, he that agrees against the Spirit, this is the unforgivable sin. So if you've ever spoken against the move of God, you've blasphemed. You should have been called off the, the, the unredeemable. But that you gave your life to Christ and God pardoned. There's really nothing called the unpardonable sin. The only thing that is unpardonable in that context, which I explained to you, is that a man refuses to receive Jesus Christ into their life as their Lord and personal Savior. So even though you are like Paul, that had killed people in the church, and the, the, the thing always stuck with Paul in all his letters, if you read Timothy, Paul will say, It is a faithful saying. <laughs> that I, that was what? A chief sinner. For a person to say that, I'm a chief sinner that God can save anybody. Do you know people I killed? Do you know people I murdered? Then he now says, yeah. He said, he said, but by the grace of God, he says, I am all that I am. For a man to have that testimony, he said, but by the grace. I was not deserving, deserving of this salvation, but the grace of God brought me here. So, that's the salvity grace, right? Unmerited favor. There's nothing you do to any. But look at what he said next. He said, for by the grace of God, I am what, what, what I have. He said, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not what. He said, but I what. He said, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So, the first grace was what? Unto salvation, no labor. But he said, with the, still with the grace of God, what happened? I labored much more than they all. So if you can recognize Paul as an apostle in the body of Christ today with so many letters and even Peter, that God said upon, well, which, that's not what it means, all right? Well, do you get what I'm saying? People literally saw Jesus. They rested on Jesus physically. A man didn't handle Jesus Christ physically, but only saw him by revelation. And had so much to say than they, the disciples of Jesus. And Why? He said, I labored more than them all. What a confidence. So he's saying that there's a grace that saved me. He said, but still in that grace, there's a labor to be done. So people usually think, when they quote the scripture, Philippians chapter 2, verses 13, for it is God that worketh in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. They always think they do in death that God will do it. Did God do it inside, inside Paul? No. The doing death that God will bring about the grace for you to do. It means the ability. So when it says God works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure, it means God works in you, the desires to do his will, and what? The do there means he implants in you the ability to then do his will. So what God has done for you right now, he has given everybody in Christ the ability to live above sin. That's what he did. So, a man without Christ cannot live above sin even if he tries. But a man in Christ that has yielded to the power of God then can live above sin and death. Listen, this is one thing. This is one thing that can break all, all things of addictions. The missing element in breaking an addiction is when Christ is removed. But once Christ is imputed in the equation, there's no addiction too strong that can ever be broken. None. 
And like I said earlier, not that you know you know you, you don't have the tendencies anymore, not that you won't hear the beats, not that you won't feel the desires, but then you will choose not to yield your members. So you choosing not to yield your members is the God inherent ability in you. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a what? And of a sound mind. The sound mind, sound, sound mind there is also implying a mind that has a good control of things. So, listen. In salvation, in salvation, there's what they call the fruit of salvation. That's truly the godliness. That's what we preach in Galatians chapter 5. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5. I want to show you something there. Some of you probably might not have noticed before. Are you there? Galatians chapter 5, verses 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, Temperance, and against such, there's no words. The temperance there is saying self-control. Are you with me? The temperance there is what? It's self-control. He said, by the Spirit of God, now you can control your members if you choose to. You get that, right? If you choose to, now you can, you can, you can. I know it appears as a man cannot, but listen, here's he, he he one thing you need to understand. Many times in controlling your members, people always expect it to be magic, but it's not always magic. For instance, you don't learn to dance in a day. You don't go to gym and they want you expecting six packs and all the muscles to have shown. I've tried it. <laughs> I've gone to the gym, I mean, times now, five times. I look at myself in the mirror, I was like, nothing. <laughs> No, leave me. The best, my gym partner too has been doing it. <laughs> he said, "All I see now, <laughs> there was nothing to see." <laughs> it's both ways. Amen. First Timothy chapter four, verses seven and eight. First Timothy chapter four, verses seven and eight. This is the help. This is the help. He said, "But refuse what." Profane and old wives' fables. So he's saying you refuse. He said, and exercise thyself rather unto what? The fact that he used exercise shows that there's something to practice. There's something to do. Exercise means a practice, a doing, a application. Not a God application, but a man application. It, it didn't say God will help you exercise yourself unto God. It said, is you, is you, is you that will exercise yourself unto godliness. So that fruit of the spirit, who, who will exercise it? Who will love? Who will be joyful? Who will be meek? Who will, be, who will, who will exercise long-suffering? Who will be temperate? Temperate. It's us. It's us. The abilities in us, but we will be, we'll be the one that would have to choose. If God had removed the ability to choose, then we will no longer cease to be a man. What makes you a man is that you have the ability to choose. So he said, exercise. 
Exercise unto what? Unto godliness. Put to practice. Do you know one thing you need to understand that, about that? Is that in exercise, it might be so hard the first time. It might be so hard the second time. It might be so hard the third time. It might be so hard the fifth time. But the more you practice, by the fifth month, by the sixth month, you, could, you, would have be, you would be an unstoppable force. That's what it means. So you look at people that are standing strong in the field and be like, oh, I can never be like that. Who told you you can't? It's like going to a gym and you're looking at somebody that is built and you're saying, ah, oh, I can never do that. You don't say that. You can't. Put in the work. If you put in the work they put in, you will get the result they got. That's it. But many Christians, there's something they even call hypergrace. It is being taught. They believe that if they've not overcome their addiction, it's because God has not given them grace to overcome it yet. What an heresy. When the Bible says you are no longer slaves to your sins, and say God has not, he has. The question, the only problem is that believers have not taken their liberty. They have not taken their stance and their liberty and their freedom. See, many a times, is the believers that are doing themselves. Bible says everyone that is tempted or carried away by his own lusts and temptation. That's in James. So what happens is that believers, you know what you are frail and weak towards. And that's what you give yourself towards. And you expect freedom or liberty. That's not possible. That's not possible. Glory to God. Glory to God. Listen, word of wisdom means you can apply this in your home. If you are ever going through something they call an addiction, and you believe that if you're ever going through an addiction and you want to break free from it, the number one step to break from it is to first realize that one is an addiction and is a problem. Do you know that people that don't realize smoking is a problem? The people that don't realize drinking is a problem. The people that don't even understand that stealing is a problem. You'll be shocked. People don't, some people don't understand that fornication is a problem. So you find out that there are some clique of friends. They are all married and they openly talk about the, their escapades with ladies. Can they stop? They will never stop. They don't, they don't have a mirror to portray, to look to. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. They are their examples. So the first step, you must admit that it's a problem. And it's an addition you want to break free from. Secondly, is that you have to start putting in the work by working in the Spirit. You have to put in those steps and walk, into, and walk in the Spirit. Let's start from Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. We're going to read to 23. Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 to 23. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 23. Well, let, let me open my Bible. Are we there? So it says, This I say, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Number one remedy to not walk in, the, in your lusts and addiction. It says what? It said what? He said, walk in the spirit. So it's a law. If I walk in the spirit, I would not walk in my lusts. And you will get it. Calm down. 
Calm down. We're going to read and understand it better. Just hold on. Are you there? I'll read it again. It says, this I say then. It said, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Thank you, Jesus. He said, for the flesh lusted against what? And spread against the what? He says, these are contrary one to the other, so that they cannot do the things that you would. He's saying that there's, a, there's always a force. They never go hand in hand. So you can never, you can never be, have you noticed that? There are just some things you can never do after worship. Or after prayer. There are some things I cannot do when a gospel music is playing. You can never hear of a man cheating with his wife. And what he's playing with, using to cheat with his wife is, Hallelujah, Amen. Hallelujah. It's not possible. If there's a man like that, they have severed their conscience. <laughs> oh, I'm serious. That watching song is playing, uh, yeah. It's a law. Listen, they, are, they don't go hand in hand. You don't find a man in sin and he's praying in tongues. That if there's a man of such, he's gone. So, what does it mean to walk in the spirit? Let's, let's go to verses, verses ni- 19. So, remember, where we're coming from is saying that the flesh lusted against the spirit. Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary. Alright, so, flesh lusted against what? And they are what? Contrary. So, we're going to look at what the flesh is and what the spirit is. Are you ready? Alright. So, the, f- the first indication here is the flesh. Verse 19 says, Now, that's Galatians 5 19. It says, Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Number one, let's be bold, let's read it now. Number two, fornication. Number three, uncleanness. Number four, lasciviousness. Number five, idolatry, witchcrafts, hatred, variance, emulation. Rats, strife, sedition, heresies, envy, murderers, drunkenness, reveal, reve, revelings, and such like. Okay, no, it's okay. Let me read it. says, of which I tell you before, that as I have told you in the, in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So everything we've read right now is what he described as things in the flesh. Walk in the spirit, I know if you did the lust of the words. All right. So, what exactly does it mean to walk in the spirit? That's verse 22. Verse 22. The first one is what? No, 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 sorry. Come again. Before we go that, I, what I'm saying is that the first one we looked at was walking in the flesh, right? Now, what is the walking in the spirit? Let's start. Want to go? Number one. Peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. You can't practice these things consistently and practice the other thing rightly. If you love, you can't steal. 
If you love, you can't kill. If you're married, if you love your wife, you can't commit adultery. If you love the Lord as an unmarried person, you can't commit fornication. If you, if you truly love, you can't envy. If you truly love, you can't be jealous. Do you get what I'm saying? If you truly love, you can't kill. So you can see what I'm saying. When you choose to love, some other things will give. And like I said earlier, not because you feel like it. Because many times, this is a mistake. You don't have to feel love to love. It's a practicality you do because the word of God charges you to do it. There's something they call the fear of the Lord. When the fear of the Lord has consumed a man, to practice and do the will of the Lord is all that, that the man thinks of, that all that the man breathes upon. Listen, you should really check your heart if you still fear the Lord. If you can read the word of God and the word of God says, this is my precepts, follow. And immediately after reading and hearing the word of God, you do everything contrary to that word and precepts. It is, if, a, if, a man like, if a man is truly like that, it's so evident that such a man has no fear of God in his heart. At all. There's something they call fear of God. I'm not joking. Well, God has not given us the spirit of fear. If you want to say that. There's something that they call a godly reference. Don't you get it? Who do you think is sending you on errands? Who do you think is calling you and asking you to do what, he, what is in your heart? Do you think it's a man? Do you think it's your dad? Do you think it's an uncle? We're talking about the creation, the creator of the heavens and the earth. The one that, he, listen, that even the devil is afraid to make mention of his name. Devil saw Jesus from afar and they screamed. Do you get what I'm saying? They saw Jesus from afar and they what? They screamed. That same Jesus has now made this home in you. What is, what is being feared by the enemy is what is adorned and overflowing in your personal life. So God has made his home in you. And there's no reference that God is in you. 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 I strongly believe, that's also, that's also my personal belief. A man that truly understands that God is in him can easily live above sin. If you don't, listen, when you want to lie, eh, uh, the fact that God is El Rohi, he doesn't only see your problems, he sees your faults. I'm serious. You call him El Rohi, Father, remember me, see me. He saw you in the secret, dishonoring him. So you, now you want him to publicly honor you when he didn't honor him in secrets. It doesn't work that way. God sees it all. That's the fear. That's the fear. I went to a meeting recently, like last week. And my, friend, and my friend was talking about one day we'll give accounts. There's a way the person said it. I just, my heart pricked. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Listen, giving account for the believer is not a judgment to hell. But it's that you are saved though, but you'll be before God. And God will show you all the precepts he has asked you to do. And you will see the ones you did and the ones you did not do. And by the time you see what you did not do, you will feel so bad. There's no punishment. You will punish yourself. Ah! 
could hide? How did I? How? There are sometimes that you, as it happened to you before, you are ashamed to look at somebody because you know he didn't do what they asked you to do. A man that doesn't do the precept of no and the precept of God would struggle to behold the face of God. I'm serious. How can you look at your God and you know that he had asked you to do these things and he didn't do it? That thing pricked me. So even the things that are secrets, even though you are saying you don't understand that God sees you now, one day you will appear before him and you give the account. <laughs> it's weird. I love your presence. I love your precepts. Amen. The word of God. Still on the overcoming addiction. The word of God must be in your heart. Psalms 119 verses 11 verse 15 and 16. What are you saying now? Mm-hmm. What is the current? Mm-hmm. Are we there? I said verse 11, right? Verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not what? I watched um, um, Peter's sermon, and when he read the scripture, it dawned on me. It's so powerful. So, this is how Peter taught it. Let's read it again. Once you ready, go. So he said, if the word of God is in your heart, you will struggle to sin against the Lord. That's what he says. So your word have I hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. So he's saying, if the word of God overflows truly in your heart, you will struggle to walk in sin. I'm serious. You will. Try something. Try meditating so hard on the word of God in the morning and live your day. Try it. Try starting your day with prayer and deep meditation of the word of God. Try walking in sin that day. Try. Try it. It becomes so hard. And it's the truth. What you give yourself to, it becomes so strong in you. If you give yourself to the things of God, it becomes a stronghold in you as well. Keeping you from sin and iniquity. If you give yourself to lust, the lust will become a stronghold in you. It will resist the word of God. See, there's a way you, you, you know you are walking in error. Anytime you hear a, the word of God addressing that error, you have to be shot against it. I'm serious. I've been there. You know the word of God is against it. The moment you see any word that says clearly this is wrong, your heart just goes, nah, it won't enter. That the loss can become a stronghold to the entrance of the word of God. 
Then I must say this as well. There's nothing that beats accountability to welcome addiction. If you don't understand that what you're going through is a sickness and you need a medical attention. In this case, you need a spiritual attention. Who is the medic you run to? Your pastor, your spiritual guidance. You would always, listen, you don't stay in your weakness. You don't stay in your lusts. Accountability. What, what are you ashamed of? A pastor that is truly brought up will not judge or condemn you. Should I tell you why? He understands the grace of God. It's the truth. Accountability. The longer it takes that you speak up, the more it will eat you up. Don't waste time. Reach out for help. Call for help. And as you're calling for help, make sure that you're helping yourself as well. One primary thing I used to tell people in overcoming addiction is this. Who are your circle of friends? There's not, listen, association, there's nothing that corrupts a man faster than association. There's nothing. And I spoke about that lengthy last week. And the first time I taught on godly exercise, I taught you in Corinthians chapter 5. It says, a little leaven, leaven up or what? The whole lump. If one person endorses immorality in your life, it will grow. So be careful of your close circles. I don't have close friends. Not because I don't want friends, but it's better to be wise. Even those that appear spiritual, when you get close to them, you realize that they're not all that spiritual. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Thank you, Jesus. And there's something they call an honesty check. Once you realize that this addiction has eaten so deep in you, you take the more drastic actions. So for instance, in an hospital, if it's a mouth system, I can give you a drug. But there's a way the sickness would have eaten up into a man. The next thing they would think of is injection. If it's so bad, the next thing they would think of is what? Drip and admission. Sometimes addictions are like that. How deep it is. How bad it is determines the kind of care you need. So you know that thing is eating you badly. You run for medical attention. When you're being, when you're being surveyed, as they are giving you precept on what to do, don't argue. No, why should I? Say yes, sir. Yes, ma. I'm serious. Your pastor is telling you, now nah, because you're struggling with this, do not do this again. You're just say, ah, no, but pastor, how will I? How will you not? There's a way you know you're struggling with immorality. You would never watch any romance movie. Not because it's a sin. But you know, you know, you know, you know. By the time you watch the third one, it will lead you somewhere. You know that watching status is not wrong, but there are some people's status that you just must never watch. Guess what? I joined Snapchat last year. I deleted it this year. Hey, Nick, mommy. I have a call. God has called me. I'm serious. I did. I gave myself self-medication. 
I'm serious. On Instagram, check my Instagram right now. There, there, if I don't, once I see anything that is not like my kind of post, not interested. I'm serious. YouTube, not interested. Don't recommend channel. I don't watch, I don't, let me say the names, I won't be, I'm publicizing them. There are some channels that I don't watch again. They were funny at the, at the beginning. Ah! But you will laugh, but you realize that your mind is already being corrupted. I'm serious. And you will never know. It's like an infection. Sometimes you can be infected in day one. Before you realize it's day 21, when it has really eaten up into you. That's the way it is many a times. So sometimes, lust is like pregnancy. I'm serious. It grows. So you didn't fall into the act the day you perceived it. You fell into the act because you permitted it in your heart for a long period of time. I'm serious. You thought it, you meditated upon it, it came, you saw the picture, you meditated again. The way the Bible says meditate on the word of God day and night. You, med- you meditate on the lost day and night. And you expect a different fruit. It will work. This is what they call, this is the temperance, this is the self-control you must have. You must be real to yourself. You must be honest. Some friends you must cut away. You're not helping me. The more you tell me this, my mind is making me feel like I'm missing out on something. I'm not yet strong enough to know that I cannot do it. I'm serious. I'm serious. Like a popular, popular pastor once said, there are some movies you will never be old enough to watch. Never, ever, 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 and ever. I remain PG-13. <laughs> Even PG-13 these days, you are not guided. There's no PG anymore. And listen, what you guys want to say, this way they change minds. Yeah, this, this, is, this is the way your minds are changed. What you see, what you hear, what you feel and touch. Over time, it changes your ideologies. So the more you, listen, so have you noticed that when we were growing up, we, we, there were some kind of movies we watched. The American movies. And in the movies, we see them go on dates and from dates, it, it ends in one night, one night stand or on, from the dates, you know, it must end with a kiss. So we watched those movies so much now, there's a generation that the way they live is based on the ideologies of those movies. Before, before you probably even think of kissing, you wait until maybe when you're about to marry. But now, a culture from movies has made it normal that if you don't kiss the first time or the second time, something is wrong. You now feel bad. You recover from the date, and your friend is asking you, what happened, what happened, what happened? They want to hear action. What action must happen other than you talked? I'm serious. But listen, now, when they ask you those questions, you feel bad like, ah, you did not do enough. Why? Why? Because you have watched so much movies. You have, your friend have also corroborated, corroborated the movies into your mind. And now what is wrong now becomes normal. What is normal now becomes sluggish. Do you know what I'm saying? Many of you, with the movies you are watching today, I pity you in the next 10 years. You think you are fine. Okay. Continue. They play. 
I'm serious. There are movies on Netflix I never watch. I don't watch anymore. I don't. Why am I? I'm on Netflix, so sorry. Day or day. Big Bang Theory is on Netflix. You guys are not big. There's no Big Bang Theory fan here. But here. If you're not watching sitcoms like Big Bang Theory, you're not living yet. Come alive. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. All right. My time is up, so. What will happen? What happened? I didn't hear. Be bold. You, you can't be timid. God has not given you the spirit of fear. Come on, speak out, sister. Shut the the Sherry Mama, what kind of tongue is that? <laughs> oh, lol. Amen. So, like I was saying earlier, you know, you know how fight is. I was I said something last when I thought on when I did a series on prayer. Do you remember? I shared I shared something. I said prayer saves you. If anybody can remember that someone, I said prayer saves. I said prayer saved me last year. There was something I was pregnant of last year. Jesus, I knew I was sick. I'm not joking. I went to every retreat possible because I knew that one more month with this thing, I'll be dead. I'm not joking. I went to every meeting. I went to every retreat. Once I see a flyer, a man of God, I don't know, I'm there. There, 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 are some, there are some things you need of emergency operation on your life. I'm serious. I'm serious. That, that's, that happens by vulnerability. You need to open up. And you see the doctor, let them check you. When they say do this, do. Amen. Amen. Don't just cut. And one last analogy I'll give you about that. Don't, don't, don't. Don't just cut the fruits, the symptoms. Cut the branches. Don't just cut the branches. Cut the tree. Don't just cut the tree. Because one day it may take a year, but it will grow back. Cut the roots. When you cut the roots, don't stop there. Now, when you have removed the tree, put a new seed. This is, this is the effective way to replace. To, to conquer addictions. Every addiction you go to, you must replace it with a godly addiction. If you don't, it will come back. And to always come back stronger. So that is why you notice when you relapse, you relapse worse. You not notice? So you are, ah, I'm one month free. But you have to keep doing those, you know, you, keep, you leave the symptoms. Before you know it, the fruit drops again. Then just the hope that you will laugh a little will also make you depressed to wallow in it the more. So as you're removing it, make sure immediately there's something that is rooted in there. And the best thing that is rooted in there are godly exercise. The praying, the fasting, the studying of the word of God, going to church, hearing the word of God at length, praying at... So, I'm serious. These are things that must be normal to you. I pray one hour. Oh, Pastor, I don't pray more than 30 minutes. By next year, you're able to do one hour easily. The following month, you must always stretch yourself. Two hours. Study time as well. Have you ever tried sitting in one place for six hours to study? I'm not trying to put you under pressure. I'm not one of those pastors. 
But I'm not here to tell you that, listen, they are godly exercise. You should be better at it than now. You are 10 years in the faith and there are things we still beg you to do. So, even your attention span for the word of God is poor. So, even this sermon right now, you are tired. Pastor Lapp, please round up. <laughs> I design your heart, you are here. Somebody said it, Pastor round up, I beg. You know, want to dance and live. There's a court. It's a word of knowledge. Accurate prophecy. See me after service. I'm serious. Now, we're laughing about it, but it's sad. One hour of the word now bores you. So, Abel Kuta, you know, um, um, so we, we created a discipleship structure for them after the Exodus movement, all right? So, when I saw them, so one of the ladies, she was telling me that she, she added a question to the question and answer Sunday that we had. That was in July, yeah? So, she asked me the question. And I said, ah, but I answered this now. She said, she didn't listen. Now, when she saw one hour, 30 minutes, said that she knew it was too long, that she could not listen to it. So she could not listen to a one hour, 30 minute sermon. <laughs> See, come on, what have we been doing with our life? Paul, I was support taught a congregation overnight. I'm serious. They died in his sermon and... <laughs> I'm serious. They died. It didn't stop the sermon. It continued. You'd have thought you'd have had mercy. Ah, somebody don't die, man. Someone dry. <laughs> See, it was before. If I say anybody sleep in my sermon, I'll feel bad. Maybe I, I didn't teach well. You know, I didn't. Then uh, when they sleep, I say, oh, this is well. I'm preaching well. <laughs> uh, so one of the sons they are preaching well, that somebody in the congregation must be sleeping. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. Is he a joke? <laughs> <laughs> Let's rest on our feet, please. Thank you. Amen. I'm serious. Are you the person? You're excited that you're cold. <laughs> what is it? I had Pasola. No, no, no. You have to talk. I had Pasola. Sometimes there are things you have to practice. Some of you have never shut, you've never, you've never shut down yourself for a whole day. That a whole day, you do social media fasts. A whole day, you fast literally of food. A whole day, you are hearing only the word of God. Praying and studying the Bible. You've never tried it before. Not saying this to condemn you, but I'm saying this. There are some things you have to put to practice for your benefits. And for someone here, maybe that's 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 the that's what you need to kickstart you breaking free from the addiction. Maybe that's when you start getting better. You you need to separate yourself. You need you need the wilderness experience. Just like Josh Kai went to the wilderness for 40 days. You need such. You might not do 40, but you might do five. Yours might be five. Yours might be ten. You shut everything down. You, you need it. I'm serious. This, this is a method I've tried and tested. Try it. Just go somewhere. All your social media accounts off. The only thing you have are messages, your Bible, gospel songs, and pray. Try it for one week. See, 
By the time you come at you, be amazed at the, at the outcome of your life. By the fruits that you demonstrate. Try it. Enough of the mediocrity. Enough of being on the surface. Go deeper. Desire more. Thank you, Jesus. Ask for the help of God. Ask for his help. To put to practice his word and his commandments. To put to practice his status and his will. Ask for his help. Ask for his help. Ask for his help. Thank you for listening. We know you have been equipped, changed, and transformed by the word. If you have any questions or inquiries, please reach out to us on Instagram at the Zoe Household Lagos or via mail zoehousehold at gmail.com. God bless you.